Welcome to the Church at Sun Coast. Our Sunday morning worship starts at 11 a.m., Sunday school at 10 a.m., and Wednesday fellowship at 5.30 p.m. And now sit back, relax, and let's meditate on the Word of God. Well, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 in your Bibles. We'll look down all the way to verse 40. It's an old question, but it's always a fun question to contemplate, especially when you're in a group or party. And so I I thought to open up this morning by just asking you the question, if you could spend a couple hours with anyone that you wanted to spend a couple hours with and talk to, who would it be? If you could pull them from thousands of years ago or 100 years ago or even present day, who would you choose to sit down and converse with and talk with. Now, before you form uh, the answer that you want, you can't have Jesus on the list. (laughs) Invariably, in any kind of party I've ever been at, you know, people, oh, Abraham Lincoln, and they go through all these, and then some super spiritual saint says, I'd I'd like to be with Jesus and make everybody feel, (laughs) oh, I should have said that, you know, just... So you can't, you can't name Jesus, and i tell you why. Because you spend every day with him 24-7. Do you hear me? You spend all the time with Jesus Christ. So you're always with him, so you can't, I know what you mean, to pull him physically back and talk with him. But who would it be? Probably your answer has to do with what your interests are. If you like art, you might call an artist back. If you like Whatever you like. I enjoy writing. I would probably call Dickens back or, or Tolkien or one of those great writers to sit and talk with. It goes along whatever you're interested in, who you'd like to sit down with them and, and talk about. Because you want to draw things from them. Well, when Jesus mentions in verse 40, he's going to flip that whole idea on its ear. Because... Now, I understand it's human nature to want to sit down with people that you're interested in because you want to learn something from them, and nothing's wrong with that. But do you notice the self kind of self centered kind of thing in that whole approach? What if we sat down with people we didn't know who could do absolutely nothing for us, and rather than draw from them what they knew, we just listened to who they were? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, and by the way, this is on the heels of a very scorching, uh, eye-opening reality for believers in Christ. I would just reference it back up in verses 36. A person's enemies will be those of their own household. How encouraging is that? Name the name of Christ and there'll be people under your own roof that will hate you. Whosoever loves his mother and father more than me is not worthy of me. So he's not severing human natural relationships. But he is saying that because I'm to be your supreme relationship, all others pale and come in second, third, fourth, wherever that lies, but not first. So you might think as a believer, what a horrible life to cut off, not to cut off, but to render natural relationships in that light. But notice what he opens up on the heels of that in verse 40. 
He said, whosoever, whoever receives you, receives me. Now think about that. We know that's not how he got saved. You received a Christian and therefore you became a Christian. It's not talking about receiving Christ in terms of salvation. What is it talking about then? Notice he doesn't say whoever receives me receives you. We would flip it on its ear, wouldn't we? You receive Christ, you receive all of God's followers. But he's not talking about that here. He's saying whoever, that word receive means to hold the hand out, to take in, to receive. It means more than just shaking of the hand. It means you relax and become comfortable with that person. You let your hair down. You kind of talk like a human being. Like you're not worried about what they think or you think. You're just connecting as human beings. I met Mac Brunson years ago, the pastor of First Baptist. Large church, excellent pastor, good preacher. Met him in his office. Mac instantly put me at ease. I was a little nervous going and meeting him. In his office, within seconds, it was like I was talking to an old friend. That's what it means to receive someone. You don't come with airs. You don't come with, you just come as yourself and relax. And we've met people that have always done that to us, put us at ease. And that's what it means. So what does it mean, people that receive you receive me? And then he goes on and says, those who receive me receive him that sent me, the Father. Notice this communal, this this intertwining of relationship and a spiritual life between believers, between Jesus, between the Father, that is knit and eternal. So, what does it mean? Who is a believer? Those who have received Christ. What is it true about every believer? That Christ lives and dwells within that believer. It is the big thing about us. It is the main thing about us. It is the most essential thing about us that Christ, for Aaron this morning, came in and she was born again. Christ now lives in Aaron's life. And now there's the mixing of the Son of God with Aaron. Isn't that beautiful? There's a complexity with every believer that's different from the other believer. The same common denominator of Jesus Christ. And yet when Christ comes into a person's life... He is reflected in an individual personality way. In fact, he alters the personality slightly of the person, perhaps greatly of the person. So that as that person grows, Christ is manifest. So what does it mean when someone receives us? It means they have eyes open to see who we really are. Believers in Jesus Christ. It's the huge thing about us. It's the thing we have in common, one with another. Look at the passage. Whosoever receives you in that particular way, seeing Christ in them, is really receiving me. That's powerful. Paul in Corinthians has a verse that he writes this. 
Henceforth, I know no man after the flesh. What did he mean by that? Henceforth, from now on, because it's, it's a verse about the new creation of Christ, I know no man according to his own individual personality. I know every man for who Christ is in them and can become in them. This is the clue of having great encouragement in ministry. Now, how many of you have ever looked into an individual and been greatly discouraged by that individual? It's because we were looking at that individual like a human being, like a man, like after the flesh. But as believers look at other believers, we should always, in fact, believers looking at non-believers, what God can do in their lives. What God can do in the life of a lost person getting them saved. What God can do in a saved person's life as they grow in Christ. This is how we are to interrelate to one another. That when we receive one another, we're really receiving Jesus Christ in that person. Individuality is the outer core and husk of the husk of our lives. The inside kernel, the real thing of the seed, is our personality. We are not to be individuals in terms of individuality being non-receptive to other people. You get burned by enough people, you don't want anything to do with them. But if you open up your heart and you see what Christ has done in you and what he can do in others... There is no place for individuality within the Christian faith. Listen to Jesus' statements. All through his ministry, he always moved according to the work of the Father. Whatever the Father told him to do, he was doing in, in concert. He was connecting with people. He was relating to people to the place where he cried. To the place where he hugged children and took them up in his arms. To the place where he related to prostitutes, where he related to all kind of situations. He actually, actually even went and sat down in a tax collector's home. Because he didn't have bar. Those who receive you are really receiving Jesus Christ. Do you understand that's why conflict between Christians? should never occur. There might be conflict, but it also always is to be solved around the spirit and the common person of Jesus Christ. Because when you're fighting with them, you're fighting with Jesus Christ. Husbands are told to live with their wives in love and in a relationship that's loving. Because to be angry with your wife, gentlemen, is to be angry with Jesus Christ. It's that important. It's, that, it's more than that important. It's the reality of what it is. Christ is in all believers. And when we receive them, we're really receiving Christ. Now notice verse 41. The one who receives a prophet 
Notice, because he is a prophet. Because the prophet can tell me something. Because I have an interest in prophecy. Because there's something I'm going there to get from the prophet. Notice the sitting down with a prophet isn't just because it's a human being. It's because they hold a certain office. They have a certain knowledge. They have something that you want from them. It says the one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Not from God, but from the prophet. If I sat down with Charles Dickens, I would have a Charles Dickens reward. Because after three hours of talking with Dickens, I would learn and see what's in his mind and learn so many insights into his writing. And I would go away better because I sat down with Dickens. But that's where the reward would end. There's only so much you can get out of a human being. But, notice... And the one who receives a righteous person. What is that? Well, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. This is simply a person of a high moral integrity and a high moral character. One who righteously has lived correctly. And you want to learn how to develop character. Well, you go to somebody who has character. Character is a matter of choices you make over a long period of time that develop a character within them. And you go to a righteous person and you learn and you get a righteous man's reward. Again, not from God, but from the righteous man. Now notice how he's going to turn it now. Jesus is going to say, if you go to those people, you get your reward. It's what they are. But notice verse 42. But whoever gives one of these little ones, whoever gives one of the insignificant people, gives to those who can't give back to you anything. Who did Jesus say, invite over to your house? Invite the people who can't do a thing for you. They can't pay you back. Maybe they're homeless. Maybe they haven't got... They can't. Do for those who can do nothing for you. Yeah, I think there was children there, and I think he pointed to the children. But I think it's so much more than children. By the way, children are, children are the best, aren't they? They don't care who you are. They don't care what you've done. They just, they just take you as you are. They're the best, aren't they? They can't do a lot for you unless... Unless it makes you laugh, they might make you laugh once in a while. They're fun. But they can't do anything for you, not really. I asked Landon last week about helping me pay the mortgage because we're having trouble. He said, Pop, I can't do a thing for you. <laughs> we're not having trouble. They can't do anything. When you give to people, notice, because, well, let's read it. Look at verse 42. If you give these little ones even a cup of cold water, notice on the basis that they are a follower of mine. Isn't that beautiful? When you reach out in love and you do a kindness, simply because that little one is a follower of Jesus Christ, 
you can't get a you can't get any reward. There's nothing coming your way. Ah, look at the verse. It is coming your way. I say unto you, and when Jesus says, I, I say unto you, you can go ahead and put it in the bank. If I say something to you, I'm going to try to fulfill it. But when Jesus said, I say to you, this is God Almighty making a promise. Notice what he said. He will by no means lose his reward. What does that mean? That he'll get it? Well, yeah, he'll get it. But he for all eternity will not lose the reward for the kindness showed to a little one. Do you understand the kindnesses we show to one another are eternally rewarded in heaven? Okay? It isn't that. This, this is the big deal. This is the huge thing. I made spaghetti last night and uh, at home, and, and I was excited about the peppers Larry had given me, so I grilled the peppers and grilled the onions, and then I put in the sauce, and then I boiled the spaghetti noodles, and then we sat down. I got some spinach on the side, very nice meal. We sat down on the back porch, Karen and I, and we both stuck our fork in the spaghetti and looked at one another, and the same thought at the very same time came to both of us. Where's the beef? <laughs> I thought, it's in the hamburger. Actually, the thought came to me first, and I thought, well, maybe she won't notice. <laughs> oh, she noticed all right. So I pulled a hamburger. It's a big thing, isn't it? It's the huge thing. It's the thing you want in it. We tried ground turkey for a while in spaghetti. I ain't doing ground turkey in spaghetti. I want that fatty hamburger meat. I want some red meat in my spaghetti. It's the big, this is the big thing in life. Not what you can get out of other people, but what you can give in kindness to those who can do nothing for you. And when you do that, your reward, you may not see it here. But when we get on the other side, you will get that reward for the kindness that you have done for people around you, and that reward will last forever and ever and ever and ever. That's a beautiful reward to have. Last summer, I think, the summer before maybe, and the last fall, I went up to Cobleskill with Caleb to go to the football um, reunion. It's 50 years since Cobleskill started football and all, and uh, they had brochures of, the, of, of records of quarterbacks, running backs, and, and all the thing. And so we got a, a record thing, and Caleb came and said, well, you look, you're, you have records in, in all the categories, and, and so first in all the categories down, which I was very happy. The numbers weren't high, but there were numbers higher than everybody else who, who did quarterback. And so uh, I thought on the way out, you know, in 1989, Skill Red Devils, we were called the Red Devils, didn't bother me back then, uh, combined with another school district, Richmondville, and became the Rich, Cobleskill Richmondville Bulldogs. So there's no more Cobleskill Red Devils. There, there, there never will be. So I thought on the way home, how cool is that to have records that will never be broken by anybody? Because the team doesn't exist anymore. 
These are rewards that will be for you for all eternity, never to be taken away. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? I love, and I got to say this, I love the whosoever. Don't you love that word in the Bible? Anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. But it takes understanding that Christ is in us, in all of us, and how we treat one another and how we are comfortable with each other and receive each other changes us as a church. That's why it's, it's beautiful what God has done in forming a church. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the local assembly where we actually breathe on one another and we sweat on one another, hint Saturday, and we, uh, we, we do things together and we share time together and we get to know each other and we're like a big, gra- big bag of grapes where we just kind of get all juicy together and mush up and change one another. That's the dynamic of the church. Because I can't grow apart from you. Did you hear me? I can't grow into all that God wants me to be without you. You can't grow into all God wants you to be without other Christians. Getting to know them. Seeing Christ in them. Listening to their walk with Jesus Christ. Rubbing against each other and understanding that this thing is not an individual Christians that are all joined together. We are a collective personality as a church. And we desperately need one another. Let me give you three things like I always do. These are the three things that you need to know. Number one, we are all one family. Not only here, but believers around the world in Jesus Christ. You may not always click on every cylinder with every believer you meet, but you're family with them. Families don't always get along, amen? But they're family. You know, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. You really are. You didn't choose the family you were born in, but you're family. And I would remind you as your pastor, you're family with people down here. This is your family. And you don't pick and choose who you're going to hang out with. You hang out with everybody and you love everybody as I see that you do. We're family. Don't ever forget that. You know how you know family is scrap with each other, but if you ever go after the family, the whole family just turns and attacks. Number two, we are to receive one another on the basis of Jesus Christ. That's it. Not on what somebody can do for you, not what they can teach you, not if you think it's profitable that you hang out with them, not that you like a particular part of their personality. We are to fully, comfortably receive one another because of Jesus Christ in them. And in that, we are changed. One of the, some of the most horror stories of Christians' lives are things that have been done to them in churches by fellow believers. That should never happen. Absolutely never. 
because we are to receive one another. Karen, come on up. Let's do an illustration. Come on. I can only do this with you. See, you can receive somebody and shake their hand and look over their shoulder. You can shake their hand. Well, that's a, that's a business-like shake right there. That's a... I was at a church one with a pastor. He's a great guy. But, man, we, we shook his hand. This is how he shook. And you know he changed over time? He changed over time. When I first went there, this is, this is the way he shook hands. Watch this. Um, he was moving because he's trying to get as many hands as he can. But he changed over time. This is what you do when you receive one another. You look right in their eyes. Okay? You have beautiful. You don't say you have beautiful eyes. <laughs> but you value the person. And if they need time, you give them time. You receive one another. Thanks. Number three. Our reward for kindness to others is, the only, is one of the only things you can do in this life that transfers over into the next life. And the reward is forever. So look for thirsty people. Sid handed out some water bottles when you came in. Some of you took them, some of you didn't. Some of you are drinking it right now. Look for thirsty people. Do you know thirsty people are all around you? But if you don't look for them, you won't see them. People are thirsty. Lord Jesus, we, we pause at this point in the service to ask you, Father, to, to work in our hearts. Show us this truth, apply it to us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you, as you taught us, that to receive one another is to receive you and ultimately receive the Father, to be brought into the fellowship of the Trinity itself. Uh, it's amazing. Father, I pray for anyone here today who's never come to Christ as their Savior, that today they call on the Lord to save them. We thank you for Aaron getting saved and baptized today. We thank you for that blessing to be here to watch that. But I pray for anyone else here today who's never received the Savior, that they would call on the Lord, even now, even as I pray, to save them. I pray for the rest of us to go out from this place looking for little ones. Little ones. Maybe children. Maybe the insignificant because there's no one insignificant with you. No one. Help us to see it like you see it. In Jesus' name.